Seattle in the 90s. A tidal wave of iconic music roars out of this sleepy city and launches a pop culture revolution. Here's a story you haven't heard. Let the Kids Dance is a new podcast about the rise and fall of Seattle's teen dance ordinance, the law that made it illegal for young people to go to concerts. Listen to Let the Kids Dance from KUOW and the NPR Network. This is Sound and Vision on KEXP. I'm Emily Fox. Duran Jones of Duran Jones and the Indications has released his debut solo album. It's called Wait Till I Get Over. The album is an homage to the rural South and his hometown of Hillaryville, Louisiana. Oh, my mama couldn't tell me about the feeling I feel And now I'm 49 on a Sunday morning still Grants all dressed up and she said it to church But I'm in bed tired from last night's work So Lord, please The album is also a letter to Duran Jones' 17-year-old self. I first asked him what he's telling his 17-year-old self on this record. I want to let him know that he can dream bigger than any dream anyone has for him. And that there's no need for the imposter syndrome. Like, you deserve every seat at every table you get to. And so that's what I really would want him to know and other young folks out in the rural south to know that this is all possible for them as well. Again, part of this record is also dedicated to your hometown of Hillaryville, Louisiana. Talk about the history behind the founding of that town, which I find fascinating. Yeah, the land was given to eight formerly enslaved men after the American Civil War as a form of reparations. And You know, even though these eight men came from this one plantation, there were over 500 enslaved folks on that plantation working 10,000 acres of sugarcane, three sugar mills. So they were working and tilling the land and they were also processing that sugar and packaging it. It was uh, really interesting to me to find out that information because it was in many ways the start of the Industrial Revolution in the South. But after the Civil War, those folks, they decided to build a community, a school, so that they could learn to and educate themselves in churches and a general store and hotel and bars and juke joints and this little small town of 500 folks. And it's the village that raised me and, and, and made me who I am today. A lot of what that stuff is now is fleeting memories. The town is no longer the place you'd most want to live, as my grandmother would have said it. But it's still the place that raised me. And I, and I really wanted to tell this story because I feel like Hillaryville, like many other small places in the rural South, are slowly dying in. Their stories are a real integral part of American history. When asking my grand what was it like when she first moved to Hillaryville, her reply was always the same. The place you'd most want to live. How would you describe Hillaryville was like when your grandma was living there when she was younger versus what it was like for you versus what it is like today? My grandmother was in Hillaryville, I guess at its height, quote unquote. You know, she saw the sense of community, uh, the businesses, 
the upward mobility, the sense of camaraderie that they had at the time, because they were all vigilantly fighting for the civil rights as well. Um, and she would tell me uh, stories about their integration starting and their children being bused to these predominantly white schools. And all the men in the community of Hillaryville would ride on the buses with guns just to make sure that no harm was being done to their children. But it was this sense of camaraderie and, and, and a real deep sense of pride um, for the community. Well, by the time I got into the picture, my generation was seeing the aftermath of the war on drugs and how our dirt roads turned into concrete roads, which led the pathways for the war on drugs to come to the pockets of the rural South. Often we hear of the Bronx in New York or the South Side of Chicago or Inglewood or South Central LA, but rarely do we ever hear about the rural towns that also were evacuated by the newly minted effects at the time of the war on drugs. And even though like my grandmother's generation, those elders were still alive, they were holding on to a dream that was fleeting. And every time I go back now as a grown man, which I still absolutely love it, and I still find Hillaryville to be beautiful in its own way, but it's settled into something different. And from my grandmother saying, you know, it was the place you'd most want to live. Now when I go home, friends are telling me that I'm the one who got out, mm. which is heartbreaking to me in many ways. Take it from me someday we'll all be free. You know, this idea of freedom also comes up in your song, Someday We'll All Be Free. Can you talk about that track? Yes. Um, I really wanted to do something that a lot of my favorite uh, soul singers do, um, where they do covers on a record, something I always wanted to do. And immediately I knew that Someday We'll All Be Free would be the absolute choice for me. Um, I wanted to let Donnie Hathaway know in some way or another that it's 2023 in America and we're still not yet free. We have so many Americans who are absolutely in fear of their neighbor, in fear of the folks within their community, to where innocent folks are being shot at and killed. It, it's really crazy what's been happening in the last couple of weeks with uh, Ralph Yar and, and Kaylin Gillis and the cheerleaders and you know, various other places throughout the country. I really wanted to bring Donnie's song into 2023. And so I felt like the best way to do that was to just throw an MC, a hip hop artist into the fold where the interlude and instrumental section would be just to really give it this hard impact and, and really show what's going on in America 
to the rest of the world. So your song, That Feeling, is the first love song that you say you've written for another man. What has that felt like to put this song out in the world? Absolutely free. I was so afraid and I had so much anxiety about this. Growing up in the church, growing up Baptist, I heard several Sundays that homosexuality is wrong and it's not a choice, you know? And so I would go home and fall on my knees and pray to God, you know, like, why me? I've grown to learn over the years that that indoctrination was moving me into a fragile form of masculinity. And that if I wanted to really be honest and vulnerable and truthful with this record, then I would have to tell this story. And uh, it's been an absolutely beautiful process. And I feel like a weight that I carried for 33 years of my life is just finally gone. And it's been incredible, absolutely incredible. I also understand that you recorded this album in your bedroom, and I'm curious, how did you record the song Wait Till I Get Over? It sounds like a gospel choir, but is that all just your voice in there? Yeah, it is. <laughs> how did you do it? <laughs> I'll see my I intended it to be a demo or a reference, and I was going to bring a full choir into the studio, but much love to the producers who helped me, Ben Lumstein and Drake Ritter. They heard it and they was like, no, this is it. I was like, what? I was really inspired 
by the elders in Hillaryville and hearing them sing Lining Hymns in church every Sunday. As a kid, I absolutely hated it. I didn't like it. I thought it was too old fashioned. I wanted to do the Kirk Franklin and the Ty Trivet. I didn't want to do the traditional stuff. But as a grown man coming back and seeing that they no longer do those songs anymore and diving deep into music and studying music deeply and, and realizing how special and how special Lining Hymns were and what those others were trying to instill in me, I felt the need to do a song in honor of them. And so I set up the mic, set up a mic in my room and I just stood around it like each member would be in a choir. And I tried to emulate different voices of folks that I knew and went to church with, folks who are huge inspirations on my singing, who really had no ambition to do what I'm doing right now. Doing the Sunday uh, service was just enough for them. Folks like Dawn Shivers, uh, Hardino, Vanessa, my stepmom, Penny Jones, rest in peace, the Malice, the list goes on and on and on. But I just tried to really capture these different voices. And uh, I'm so proud of how this tune came out. I think it's my favorite one on the record. Way to I've been speaking with Duran Jones about his debut solo album out now called Wait Till I Get Over. He'll be performing at Bumbershoot over Labor Day weekend here in the Seattle Center. Duran Jones, congrats on the new album. Thank you so much for talking with me today. Much love. Thank you all so much. Peace. Oh, my mama couldn't tell me about the feeling I feel And I'm 49 on a Sunday morning still work so lovely have mercy on me and some ladies down the street telling people the news but what they don't really know is that she haven't a clue round the way and up above some folks flying high
That was Sound and Vision. Please take a moment to subscribe, rate, and review this podcast, and consider giving a one-time $20 donation to help support this show at kexp.org slash sound. Thanks for listening.